chapter 31. I put our, our little papers, if you weren't here this morning, um, I took our, I, I've asked a question, and uh, if you get a chance, I would like for you to, to do this over the next month or so. Uh, the message won't be prepared until um, probably the first or second week of January is when I plan on preaching it, but uh, working on that message, but I would like for you to uh, if you haven't done this on on a piece of paper, and you can grab one from one of our notepads, and I have a little basket up here. I would ask that uh, you be uh, just don't sign it, so leave it anonymous. But uh, would ask that you write down on that paper the the worst thing that. And I guess I should clarify this. Um, I said the worst thing that's ever happened to you. And so I'll, I'll leave it worded as that, but I was, I was thinking in, in my own life, I have two different episodes that, that I wrote down, and neither one of them was, I was not the object. Does that make sense? It, it was somebody else, but it was, it affected me, if that makes any sense. So I just want to clarify that for you. So, um... But I would ask that you write that down, whatever it may be, the worst thing that's ever happened in your life, whether it was towards you or whether it was somebody that was close or a friend or, or something like that. So, but I uh, would ask that you do that. And, and uh, um, I, I just, uh, I, I came in this afternoon and, and made sure and, and take all of the ones that we already have done and, and I put them in a safe place and and uh, I, I read through them and uh, I just don't know how God does it. Um, it just broke my heart with uh, the, the pain in our church. Um, it was... Uh, uh, well, it's just more than one person can take, and I just thank God for His grace. And uh, I just you pray like you've never prayed before that when when that message is prepared, that um, unlike and, and I want this every message, but I pray that that unlike anything that we've ever been involved in, in any message that we've ever been involved in, I pray that that this will do something amazing in our church family. And, and I think it's going to be very powerful, uh, not from me, but from God and what he's going to do with this. And, and uh, truly, it, it, um, it's, uh, I just thank God for his mercy and, and his grace to all of us and how he, uh, he restores us. So we thank God for that. So Kind of goes along with what we're going to look at tonight. Maybe, I don't know, maybe with what's been going on the last uh, week or so with the funerals and maybe my mind's in that morbid place right now. I don't want it to be, but I titled the message tonight, A Legacy Lost. We're going to look at the first six verses of First Samuel chapter 31, and it is just such a waste. Saul, Saul was, he, he just wasted his life. 
and, 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 he, and he wasted something that, that truly could have been great. And, and, you know, it's kind of like, and it's not the same, but, you, you know, you ever, I, I was, I, I just saw it a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if anybody, anybody here ever heard of Josh Hamilton? Josh Hamilton was a baseball player and was phenomenal as, as a baseball player. And he, uh, he uh, sheer talent. I mean, to be that kind of talented and not work at it and, and was phenomenal. And, and he actually went to an all-star game and set the record for the most home runs in the home run derby in, in one, one time, 20, uh, 30 home runs or something like that. It was, it was just amazing. To, yeah, so 30, 37, 20, yeah, whatever. Yeah, okay, he's doing this. And I, yeah, a bunch, right? And, and, uh, but he also, during that all-star game, had given testimony that um, he had been on drugs and he had, had, had lost everything, came back because he was that talented, had, had won victory over the drugs and, and had, had, had wonderful things. And, and here he was, he's back to playing, playing baseball and setting these records. And, and then, you know, I heard uh, maybe he fell off the wagon. I pray, you know, you just pray for this, a guy like this with this kind of talent and, and to, to use his, the platform that God has given him. And now I saw that he got arrested for child abuse, I think. And, and, and I look at that and I think, you know, it's such a waste. It, it's such a waste of what, what God could have done with that guy and, and, and used him. And, and here his testimony is just such a mess. And, and I do thank God for his mercy that he can restore him. And never play baseball again, I'm sure, but he can still be restored in his relationship uh, with, with his Savior, and, and if he is real and true and genuine as a believer, and, but, but it, it's, it's that kind of thing. It just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And, and you know, there were, there were guys that, you know, we went to school with, or you saw people that had certain abilities, and, and I, I think of, uh, I think of a, a, a kid that was in our high school, Brian Mock was his name, and, and Brian was super intelligent. I mean, this guy was was a was really and truly a, a had a brilliant mind, and then, you know, he, by his senior year, has gotten into drugs and, and and just wasting his life. And then here, just a few years ago, he died while he was in jail. And, and I and I think of things like that, and I think of of how messed up it is, and and what they could have done. And and when I read this about Saul and and. As I've read through 1 Samuel and as we've read this and studied this and watched the life of Saul, we, we just see the same thing. I mean, we see a, a man that, that was talented, that was gifted, that had been called by God and, and could have been used greatly. And, and here, we have, here we have the legacy loss. Let's just read this. And, and then I just want us to review a little bit of history on what he did in losing his legacy. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines and fell down slain in Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons, and the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hid him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. 
Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died and his three sons and his armor-bearer and all his men that same day together. A legacy lost. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you take just a few minutes that we have, and I pray that we can learn something from Saul. And I pray that you'll prick our hearts and show us the importance of staying right with you and living the way that we ought to. And Lord, help us be serious about our service to you. I pray you guide us and direct us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I just want to go back and review some history on Saul and give some thought to this. And how, how did this come about? And, and why did this happen the way that it did? And, and, and how he had so much going for him. And if you want to go with me, you go, go back to 1 Samuel chapter 10. And 1 Samuel chapter 10. And the first thing that we see is Saul's calling upon his life. And it says in verse 1, it says, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? And, and now when you, we give thought to, to God and his power, and, and here we know that, that, that uh, uh, God already knew what they were wanting and, and Israel was wanting a king, and so he said, Fine, I'll give you a king. And you know the thing about this, though, that in, in God's mercy and in, and in God's sovereignty and in God's power, that he could have taken Saul, and if Saul would have listened to God and been obedient to God, that I, I, I know that God could have made Saul into exactly what it is that he needed to be to be honoring and glorifying to God the Father. And I know that God could have used him in a great way and that he would have been a wonderful witness and, and powerful testimony to those that were uh, around him and in this nation of Israel. And, and so we see his calling, first of all, and, and now he's got this all going for him, and we praise the Lord for that. But then you go on down to verses 6 through 8, and here we're also going to see that not only his calling, but his empowerment. Look in verses 6 through 8. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee. And thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. And thou shalt go down before me to Gilgal, and behold, I will come down unto thee, to offer burnt offerings, and to sacrifice sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days shalt thou tarry till I come to thee, and show thee what thou shalt do." Now look on further in verses 26 and 27. And Saul also went home to Gibeah, and there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. But the children of Belial said, How shall this man save us? And they despised him and brought him no presents, but he held his peace. Oh, here, here we start seeing the, the empowerment of Saul, and, and here we have all these things going for him. We have God has anointed him, and, and now we see that God has empowered him and, and given him the Holy Spirit of God. And then look on further in chapter 11, verse 6 through 8, and the Spirit of God came upon Saul 
when he heard those tidings, and his anger was kindled greatly. And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed them in pieces and sent them throughout all the coasts of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whosoever cometh not forth after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. And when he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah, 30,000. And then you, you look on down further in verses uh, 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 12 through 15. And the people said unto Samuel, Who is he that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring them in that we may put them to death. And Saul said, There shall not a man be put to death this day, for today the Lord hath wrought salvation in Israel. Then said Samuel to the people, Come, and let us go to Gilgal, and renew the kingdom there. And all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And there they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. So here we have a great legacy starting. We have God has anointed, God has called him, God has anointed him and, and empowered him, and, and we see these things that are that are, are going his way. And, and then, but now we get into chapter 12 and we're giving thought to his life. And look at verses 14 and 15 here. And, and here's the warning that's given to him. And all of Israel, if ye will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall both ye and also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. But if ye will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then shall the hand of the Lord be against you as it was against your fathers. Uh, you you want to lose a legacy? If you want to lose a legacy in your own life, then here is the way to go about doing this, not doing what it is that God tells you to do. And, and, and we see it every day. We see it all, all day long. We see it uh, day after day. We see year after year. We watch people that lose their legacy. They lose their family. They, they, they lose uh, the, their witness. They lose their testimony. And then they end up dying, and they have absolutely nothing to show uh, of, of an eternal basis whatsoever in their lives because they have lost what it is that God wanted to do with their lives. And, and it's all the time. Let us not be that way. Let us understand what is important in life. If we want God's power upon our lives, then we need to obey God. If we want to leave a legacy that impacts people for eternity, then we need to obey God. We need to do what it is that He tells us to do. We need to be the kind of father that we ought to be according to the Word of God. We need to be the, 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 you need to be the kind of uh, a mother and wife that God tells you ladies to be. You need to be the kind of children that obey your mother and father the way that you ought to and be able to grow up and not have the regrets in your life that some do. Look, we, we need to do this in our lives. You want the kind of marriage that, that God wants you to have, then do it God's way. I mean, it's simple to see and, and how important it is that that God needs to be first in your life. He can't be an afterthought. God, God is not going to take second place in His glory. And so we see that here we, we, the, the warning is given to, 
to, to Saul, the warning is given to all of us that, that we need to pay attention to this. And then verse 20 there in, in chapter 12, And Samuel said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and turn ye not aside, for then should ye go after vain things which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. You know, we have all the time, marriages are falling apart everywhere. Everywhere. They're falling apart. I have people come to me all the time. Pastor, I need, uh, I need counseling. I need help in this. Look, you know the help that you need is to just do what God tells you to do. And have faith that God will do what he says that he will do. And, and obey it. Well, my spouse, don't do that. Well, you can't control your spouse. You've learned that. That's why your marriage is in trouble. Really, isn't it? I mean, you can't control your spouse. You can control only you and how you uh, handle the, the issues that come in your life. Follow God. Do what it is that God tells you to do. Be obedient to that. Whether everybody else does it or not, it doesn't matter. Do right till the stars fall. And oh, how we need to, to understand. And in, in doing right, you're praying and you're begging God to help you to be what it is that you need to be and that in doing so that, that God will change your spouse's mind and, and help them to see and understand that it's only God's way that it truly is going to work in this life. Believe me. Believe me when I tell you that there is nothing good in this world other than God. I, I read some stuff today and, and you know the thing that I, that I read? I didn't read anything today. I, I need to keep, keep quiet about it. But there is no one alone in what you went through, okay? I'll just say that. Just in the little group that sent their papers in today, you're not alone. You're not alone. It's everywhere. Whatever it is that you have gone through, trust me, if you wrote it down today, there's other people that's gone through it. And, and, and we need to, to understand that, that this world is heavy. And, and this world is full of sin. And, and this world is such a weight that, that you can't bear it and you can't carry it on your own. And, and the, the only way that you're going to get through this wicked world and have joy and peace and satisfaction is by doing it God's way. Saul is an example of someone that had everything going for him and chooses not to do it. Truly a sad testimony. And so we see him wasting that away. And so we see the warning, and, and we see now that he doesn't heed this warning. And, and, and it tells us in chapter 13 that, that with his attitude now that he has, that, that he goes along and he profanes the holy, and, and there is nothing sacred to him. And, and it says in verse 8 that uh, Samuel had told him Saul, you need to go and you need to wait for me and I'll come and we'll find out what it is that God wants us to do. Until I get there, you wait for me. And here it tells us that in verse 8 of 13, and he tarried seven days according to the set time that Samuel had appointed, but Samuel came not to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. And Saul said, bring hither a burnt offering to me and peace offerings, and he offered the burnt offering. 
Saul, you might be the king, but you're not the priest. And you're not to be doing this, and you're not to be profaning the holy, and don't think that God is going to wink at those things and say that you're going to be okay. And he offered the burnt offering, and it came to pass that as soon as he had made an end of offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came, and Saul went out to meet him, that he might salute him. And Samuel said, What hast thou done? Saul said, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered themselves together at Michmash. Therefore, said I, the Philistines will come down upon me to Gilgal, and I have not made supplication unto the Lord. I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. Is it right? No. I, I know, I don't mean to sound like a broken record. I, I have to tell myself this all the time. Right is always right. Do right. Do right. And you do right according to what God's Word says. That's what's right. And whatever it says, that's right. And you do it every day, day in, day out. Somebody tries to convince you, you need to do this. That's not right. I'm not going to do that. That's not right. I'm not going to do that. This is right. This is what I'm going to do. Right is always right. And here he used this excuse and he profaned the whole way. God is not going to be mocked in our lives either. And we don't need to think that, that we can go about and do whatever it is that we want to and name the name of Christ and say, oh yeah, he, he's my Savior, he's my buddy, I know he's got it, and then go around and live like the world because he tells me that the Holy Spirit of God is indwelling in the life of every believer. And if we are a believer, then we have the Holy Spirit of God indwelling in us and every time that you are going against what God tells you to do, and in God's Word, you are profaning the holy. And God is not pleased. doesn't matter who you are. If you know Christ is your Savior, you need to do what's right according to what God's Word says and stop profaning and having a disregard for the holy. And then because of that, we go on and, and, and you look in chapter 14, and for time I won't go through this, but in chapter 14, if you recall, Jonathan fights a great battle by himself and goes in and kills 20 men. And, and, and through that, then Israel's given a great uh, victory. And, and while they're fighting, Saul comes along in, in his not-headedness and, and not thinking about it. And he said, hey, we're going to have a complete victory here. And if, and if anybody eats anything and takes time from the battle, you're going to lose your head. Remember that? And Jonathan was out doing the battle instead of running his mouth like his dad was and was slaying the enemy and didn't hear that, came upon some honey and ate of the honey and, and, and it refreshed him and gave him strength to go ahead and finish the battle. And then in, in, his, in his idiocy, Saul hears about this and brings his son in front of him and in front of all the men and says, Jonathan, I said this, you're, you need to die. His own son, going to kill him because of that. You know what I see? I saw that he lost the respect of his men because what did his men do? He said, you're not going to lay a hand on Jonathan. You might be our king, and we'll follow you into battle, but you just stepped over the line, king, and you are not going to hurt your son. 
And he lost the respect. I do. I believe that. I believe from that day on, those men served him because he was a king. Not because they had any respect for him at all. But they followed him, probably with the hope that Jonathan would soon become king. But I believe that he lost their respect. And then we see in chapter 15, he chooses his own way over, over God's way. And, and this what a, what a sad testimony in verse 11 of chapter 15. God said this to, to Samuel. It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. You know why? Because Samuel knew the power of God. He didn't know what God was going to do to Saul, but he knew that it wasn't going to be good. And he does confront Saul and tells him in verse 22, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from becoming king, from being king. And so he chooses his own way over God's. And we know that because of that, that he loses the power of God upon his life and, and the presence of God in his life. And you look at verse 35, last verse of chapter 15, and Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he made Saul king over Israel. Then you look down in verse 14 of the next chapter, says that, but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. He lost his power, and he lost God's presence. You know what became of that? Ultimately, he became the enemy of Israel. In the things that he did, he became the, the enemy of God, and he became the enemy of David. Because of that. Here was a man that had been called and anointed by God, chose his own way. And we have the record of what happened to King Saul in chapter 31. And Saul died, and his three men, or his three sons, and all of his men. I find it to be sad. I truly do. I, 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 I don't think any of us here want to go out of this life with that written on our, on our headstone. We don't want to do that. We don't want to leave a legacy behind and you look back and you see all that you have done is cause chaos. Let us not be that way. Let us do what God wants us to do, and do it God's way. It is serious. It makes an eternal difference in many people's lives. Let's be serious. Let's not fail like Saul and have a legacy lost. Let us be the one that whenever we go out of here, that people can think about us and say, 
that's someone that loved God and loved me and made a difference in my life. And when we walk through the portals of heaven, our Savior is standing there. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let us be what it is that God wants us to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, how convicting it is when when we see this and Saul had everything going for him and he wasted it. Help us not to do that. Help us to be what you want us to be. Help us to read your word with an open heart and an open mind and let us practice what your word says. To the very letter, let us obey you. Through the prompting of the Holy Spirit, I know that you will give us all wisdom. We're all different. We're all at different levels of knowledge of the Scripture. We're all different areas in our faith. Lord, you you will be the one to show us what we need to do. And I pray that we would do so. Whatever it is that you want us to do, help us to be honoring and glorifying to you. Lord, we love you. We pray that you will give us power and strength in our lives to be what it is that you want us to be. Guide and search the hearts of each one who's here tonight. Lord, I pray if there are decisions that they need to make, Father, before they ever leave their chair tonight, they do business with you, get it right with you, and walk with you. Guide us now and direct us, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. That invitation never closes. We're not going to sing tonight. But if you need to see me, you can, you can hang around. I'll be happy to help you before you leave here tonight. If you need to come and talk to me this week, I'll be around this week. So please, you, you just make sure you have everything settled before you leave. God bless, and we're going to see you Tuesday night, snow, rain, sleet, or shine. All right? God bless. Seven feet of snow, we're still eating. Bring it on. And if you don't come and you got one of our turkeys, we'll hunt you down.